There be three things. This is Proverbs chapter 30, verse 18. There be three things which are too wonderful for me. Yea, four which I know not. The way of an eagle in the air. That's number one, an eagle in the air. Now, if you'll get this, I'll give you just a little brief outline so that you folks that were not here last night will not be completely lost as to what I'm talking about. Solomon said that I can't understand it. I don't know about it. It's too wonderful for me. And my feeling is that it's very probable that this was a prophetic utterance regarding the church of the living God. And unless you part of it, you just can't understand it. Right? Last night, I talked to you about the way of an eagle in the air. Now, if you want to find out all I talked about, they have tapes of it. And I'm not getting any cut out of it, so you just go ahead and buy them. The Lord bless you. And then you'll know all about last night. Now, this eagle in the air is a picture of a separated church. An eagle in the air is separate from all other birds. Amen. God don't want a church that's like every other church. A lot of times people go to a Pentecost church and after it's over, somebody said, well, how did you enjoy the service? And they say, well, it was different. Thank God. It's supposed to be. It's supposed to be. I'd hate to have a camp meeting that was like everybody else's camp meetings. So God wants his church to be a separated church. Everybody say separated. separated. Now, then we got down to the eagle on the rock. Or the serpent on the rock. This is a picture of an established church. Amen. You believe God wants an established church? He don't want a wishy-washy bunch of people that's flipping all time from pillar to post and jumping from one denomination to another. A few days ago, a few weeks ago, a leading evangelist, and I'm not going to call his name because I'm not even going to give him the publicity. But he wrote a big article in his magazine. And brother, he called the United Pentecost Church everything but a child of God. Without cussing, he didn't quite cuss. Amen. You know what it tells me? I think it's a message to some of you folks that's been listening to some of these radio preachers that you don't know nothing about. Because really, he was just expressing what a whole lot of them thinks. You're not near the sweet little darlings. That, huh. So you better put your money in the church where you go to church. And support your pastor that's watching for your soul. And support the district of Louisiana. Instead of sending it off to somebody you don't know nothing about. Because all they want is your money. And when they get that, they've got what they want. And you can go to hell as far as they're concerned. Now don't leave here and say I was cussing because I said that right. You got it. Glory. So God don't want his people following every little wind of doctrine that comes along. He wants you to get out of the grass and get on the rock. Because if you're in the grass, you get the vibrations from the grass. The serpent on the rock gets a vibration from the rock. And we went into a detailed study last night. That rock is Jesus Christ. 
Now then, we've got a separated church. We've got an established church. Now then, the Bible said it is like a ship in the midst of the sea. <clears throat> Not a ship in dry dock. Not a ship in dry dock. Brother Price, I've been to California several times, and several times we have been in the Los Angeles area. And at least two or three times, we have been on the Queen Mary. Isn't that that ship? And I don't believe I have ever been in that ship that I did not get depressed. It's a beautiful thing. In its day, it was the most glorious thing that sailed the seas. But when I get on that ship and I walk down those long corridors, and I go in those stately state rooms. I get depressed because that ship is not doing what it was built to do. Amen. That ship was not built to be a tourist attraction. That ship was not built to set up in dry dock for people to walk through and say, boy, isn't this something? That ship was built to sail the seas, to weather the storms, to ride the waves and carry people from one port to another. But Queen Mary's ship sits in dry dock tonight a long way from what she was created and made to be. Will you get with me tonight while I talk to you about the church as a working church? A church as a moving church? God did not build this church for a showpiece. Glory to God. I'm not against beautiful church buildings. I thank God for them. But I'm telling you what, if all we build our buildings for is just to bring somebody through and show them what a massive structure we've got. Brother Foster, we're losing ground with God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Brother, when I look down a long aisle and I see beautiful red carpet, it don't look pretty to me just to look at. I think, my God, that's a beautiful place to shout down it and praise God on it. Oh, we don't build our buildings for showpieces. We build them to worship in. We build them to pray in. We build them to love God in. And any time we put them in dry dock, we are missing what God created the church to do. A ship magnet. Aristotle Onassis, better known as the ex-husband of Jacqueline Kennedy, was a shipping tycoon. Brother Tenney, I don't believe that man ever bought or had a ship built just to show somebody 
how pretty his ship was. Brother, when he built a ship, he built it with one thought in mind. How much profit is it going to bring to the owner of this ship? Hallelujah to God. Brother, when God built this beautiful church, this apostolic church, this one God Jesus name church, he didn't build it just to show the world what a beautiful church he had, but he built it for profit to the one that owns the church. It's not my church. It's the church of Jesus Christ. It belongs to him, lock, stock, and barrel. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Brother, he put the finishing touches on it on the day of Pentecost. He launched it from the upper room and sent it out on its maiden voyage. Brother Alan Oggs, do you hear me talking? On that first voyage that the ship made, it came back with a 3,000 soul profit on the first voyage that the church made. Holy, holy, holy. He sent it out a little while longer. A little later on, came back with 5,000 souls. He sent it out a little later on, and they lost count and said it's just multitudes now. Praise God. Profit to the owner. The church grows. Brother Price leaned over to me a while ago, and he said, Brother Johnson, he said, I remember the conference in New Orleans just a few years ago and said they estimated the crowd at about six to 7,000 people. He said it wasn't any bigger than this camp meeting. That was a general conference. But now the church of the living God has profited until the district of Louisiana is as big as the general conference was a few years ago. It's to bring profit to the owner of the ship. The next thing that ships do, we have warships. They have a twofold purpose. Number one is to protect the country to which the ship belongs. Brother Glass, this may be one of those sermons that, that, that the congregation has to put the meat on it. Because if I give the whole sermon, each one of these things is about a two-night Bible lesson. Hallelujah. So you preachers just take some notes and maybe preach it at home or buy your tape if it kind of rings a bell with you. It protects the country to which it belongs. And not only that, but it will become an aggressor in the fight against the enemy of that country to which it belongs. Let me tell you something, friend. We've got ships that are sailing in our waters around our country day and night, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, all year long. Those ships are protecting our country. And you let something come in sight that, that doesn't look right and doesn't belong to our country, and immediately they flash a warning to their headquarters station and said, there's a strange ship in the waters brother if you think we bunch of preachers captains of our own individual ships 
If you think we're going to go down in the bottom of our ship and sleep while the enemy sails in to the waters of the church of God, we're not going to do it. We're going to protect heaven. This ship belongs to heaven. Glory to God. Several years ago, and I'm not going to preach a whole sermon on this. I'm just going to illustrate. Several years ago, this ship was protecting the shorelines of heaven. We saw some strange ships coming in. They had antennas, rabbit ears, things on top of the house. Amen. Some fellas thought that we can just, you know, just let it pass. We know it's a strange ship, but it's not going to be too bad. It's going to be all right. But I want you to know there were some captains that stayed on board and said we're not letting that come into our waters. We're not going to do it. We're going to sound the warning. What are we doing? We're protecting the country to which we belong. This is God's church. This is heaven's church. Praise God. And we're protecting the country. But not only will we protect it, Brother Tenney, if it gets too rough, we'll become the aggressor. Hallelujah. And we'll run those sins into rat holes and chase them back to the corridors of hell. We will be the aggressor. Glory. Ships carry cargo from one port to the other. Glory. Last few months, this old ship, Brother Gidrose, has been sailing to various little ports in Louisiana, and it's been picking up some prayers. It's been picking up some fastings. It's been picking up some consecrations, some dedications. Oh, hallelujah. Some intercessory prayers. Oh, God, give us the greatest camp meeting we've ever had. Way over in Georgia. Oh, God, make me a blessing. I'm not worthy to go behind that pulpit. God, I'm just one of the boys that was raised in Louisiana. But, oh, God, the board has chosen me to come. So, Lord, please let me be a blessing. And God picked up that cargo in Macon, Georgia. And that little band of saints over there assured me that every night they was going to be praying and asking God to give Give us the anointing of the Lord. God picked up all those prayers and fastings on this old ship of Zion and transported them to the glory world. Hallelujah, Brother Price. Sunday afternoon, the big ship Zion docked right out here. Praise God. Hallelujah. And the angels, the ministering spirits of God, begin to unload the cargo on that boat. And he brought in the gifts. Oh, just boxes and boxes of gifts. Apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists. Angelus, tongues, interpretation of tongues, divine healing, prophecy, all of the nine gifts of the Spirit. He brought them in and unloaded them in camp meeting 1981. That's the church. Hall and cargo. Hall and cargo. The other night, a big old. I guess he's about six foot four. 
That's about as close as I can guess. I know I had to look way up to see him. I got through preaching, went back there to get me a drink of water. Big old tall man looked at me and he said, You're Brother Johnson? I said, Yes, sir. He said, I just got the Holy Ghost. 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 Brother Cupid, he reached down and grabbed me around the neck in an old bear hug and like to broke my back. But oh, listen, he was happy because from heaven in the cargo, God sent some Holy Ghost and filled his soul. Ship in the midst of the sea not in dry dock but in the midst of the sea you know there's something strange about this ship in the midst of the sea you know it's it's always amazing how that a ship can sail in the midst of the sea somebody said it's not bad for the ship to be in the sea but when the sea gets in the ship, you got problems. Amen. Say, well, is there any way that this church can stay in the world and not become worldly? Huh? Can this ship stay in the world and not become worldly? Amen. I went out the other night. One of the precious preachers, in fact, two of them, of this district took us out the other night to a seafood place. They had shrimp. They had lobster. I think they had some crab meat mixed in it. They had some clam. They just had all kind of saltwater fish. Brother Foster... Those things were conceived in salt water. They were hatched in salt water. They lived in salt water. If they drank, they drank salt water. They ate food that come out of salt water. But did you know what? We had to salt those things. They never did get salty. Brother, I was born in the world. I was conceived in the well. I've lived in the well. I've ate from the well. I've drunk from the well. But God love your heart. You don't have to be worldly. Hallelujah. God has got his church in the midst of the sea. Hallelujah to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Preachers, I want every last one of you preachers to listen to me. This audience has been so quiet you can hear a pin drop. I wondered if a bunch of them had died. I was trying to preach a decent sermon. And I wasn't getting a grunt out of them hardly. But do you saw, see how they raised to their feet? You know what brought them to their feet? Because they thought I was going to preach a little bit on old-fashioned standards of holiness. Holy! You see it, preachers? They want it. They want it. They're hungry for it. They're starving for it. They want holiness. Holy. I might have a little bad spirit. And if I have, rebuke me gently. But I'm going to tell you what, in the last two or three years, I have become so happy with our Pentecostal people. 
you let some of these groups get up with their far out dresses and their far out hairdos and their music that comes from out of sight seen in our general conferences in our camp meetings by the Gidros our people sets down on it now that might be the wrong spirit but thank God for it I don't think it's wrong I think it's right hallelujah but you let some old country hicks like these these uh, what's their name Whitsteins Country hick ain't no insult. Friend, that's a compliment. I said that's a compliment. They don't try to put on any frocks and frills. They just get up there and sing. And brother, there's something about it that rings a bell in our Pentecostals. That bunch got up here. I don't know what their names are, but they got up here. What a beautiful thought I am thinking. Dun, 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 dun. Concerning a great speckled bird. Dun, dun, dun. They sung that a little while, and this whole camp meeting the other afternoon come to their feet. Glory to God. Glory to God. Folks, let's tell the world we don't want worldliness. We want godliness. We want real, honest, the goodness, sincerity. Hallelujah. You thought I was kidding about one o'clock, but I was kind of serious. When Joash was just a little old boy, and he's typical of revival, Ethelai was going to kill them all, wipe them out. But somebody took Joash and hit him but it was in the temple. Unbelief and doubt and fear a few years ago tried to kill revival. Tried to kill it. But oh, somebody got a hold of Joash and took him in the church and hid him in the church. Brother Tenney, the church has always had revival in it. And even when Ethelah was reigning, they were still going around, Brother Foster, and saying, he's coming back to the throne just like God said he was going to do it. He's coming back to the throne. He's coming back to the throne. God said he is going to do it, Brother Gidrosa. He's coming back to the throne. Brother Bennett, he's coming back to the throne. Brother Wiener, he's coming back to the throne. And they kept him hid. But when it finally came the day to get him out, follow this now. Oh, I wish I could just preach this whole sermon on this little point. When they got ready to get him out, they didn't order any new weapons. Come on. They didn't order any atomic bombs and no nuclear warfare. I'm told by people that's supposed to know what they're talking about. And I didn't get this out of an encyclopedia. <laughs> they said that back in those days when kings won major victories, they took the weapons that they used to win the victory and they hid them away and stored them in a trophy room and those weapons of victory was kept in that trophy room but when they got ready to go get Joash and bring him out and get revival out of the church into the world the leader said go back and get those old weapons 
and bring them out. Bring them out. Bring them out. My God, we don't need this modern day stuff to have revival. We need some fasting. We need some prayer. We need some witnessing. We need some faith. We need some demonstration of the gifts of the Spirit. Glory! Ship in the midst of the sea, not in dry dock. And then, one more little thing about the ship. And then we'll get where you want me to go. Ships carry passengers from one point to another. When it comes back from the glory world, it's bringing angels. It's bringing him whom our soul loveth. It's bringing them all. And they're coming to this port. And they're going to pick up some passengers. Oh, glory. The church, they're going to pick up some passengers. Get up, choir. Get up. They're going to pick up some passengers. They're going to pick up some passengers. They're going to pick up some passengers. He's half through. <laughs> it's like an eagle in the air. It's like a serpent on a rock. It's like a ship in the midst of the sea. And it's like the way of a man with a maid. Notice the man becomes the aggressor. Didn't say the way of a maid with a man. It said the way of a man with a maid. The man becomes the aggressor. All ready for a little fatherly advice? Think I'm old enough to give a little? 51 years old, been preaching 32 years, reckon I could give a little advice. I've took enough of it, I ought to could give some. I still believe that boys ought to be the aggressors. In courtship. <laughs> if you girls that do this know what a stupid idiot you make out of yourself when you begin running after these boys. that is so warped that he likes for girls to run after him you better leave him alone he's got problems 
You know what boys do? I'm on, you see, I used to be one. I'm a man now, but I used to be a boy. You know what boys says about girls that's always calling them on the phone? I'm not going to tell you. Because it's not nice. It's really not. They make fun of you. Oh, God. <sighs> now, let me show you something. The way of a man with a maid. Now, get your mind out of the gutter. There's more to it than a bedroom scene. I can preach on this all night, Brother Tenney, and never touch on some of the things that you thought I might mention. There's more to the way of a man with a maid than just what goes on in the bedroom. Number one, when a man decides to take on a maid, a girl, a woman, he is obligating himself to provide for her. And Brother Anthony Mangan, he'll take care of you young folks tomorrow night when he gets a hold of you. But this is old Papa Johnson tonight. You see, I know what the uh, criteria, that sounds good. I don't know if it's the right word. But I know what the philosophy and the thinking of some young people are and some older young people, you know. Boy, isn't she a doll? Did you see that beautiful hair? I don't know how it's... Oh, well, I ain't going to say it. No, I'm not. Did you see those well-manicured fingernails that's got white fingernail polish on them? See, Brother Gidrose, me and you made a mess years ago. We just preached against polishing your fingernails. What we ought to have done was decided what colors was right and wrong. See, we got to be specific. dresses now, now wait wait let's 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 don't condemn them the these girls that bought these split tail dresses really they're, they're poor they don't have much money they probably got them at the goodwill store they had imperfections in them they weren't finished So they got them at a bargain. They're planning on sewing them up, but camp meeting got here so fast they didn't have time, but they're going to sew them up. Oh 
I mean, these boys and, and men that their hair's too long, they, they didn't mean it to be that way. They just went to the barber shop to get a haircut, and he cut so much off he got tired and said, I'll finish it next trip. You know what, Brother Tenney? I'm, I'm fixing to go home, and I've never had one in my life. But I'm fixing to go home and get me a ball team in my church. Just as soon as I can get every one of them that plays on the team to promise me that they'll pray as much as they play. As soon as they promise me that they'll do just as much visitation and soul winning as they spend time practicing to play ball. Just as soon as they promise me that they'll talk about God and winning souls and victories in the prayer room as much as they talk about who hit a home run and who struck out. And the day that I find out they're not living up to their promise, I'm going to stop the ball team. Say, when are you going to start one? Who took my sermon? That's good preaching, Brother Johnson. Hallelujah. Folks, let me tell you something. God wants a church that's unspotted from the world. You better quit worrying. I don't know how in the world I got off on all that because I promise you that ain't on my outline. That ain't on there, is it? I can't read it. I can't read it. You better quit worrying, boys, how pretty she is and what a living doll she is. You better get to wondering if she can cook biscuits or not. You better get to wondering if she'll change dirty diapers or not. You better get to wondering if she'll pray with you and go through the mills with you and hold on to God with you when you're down in the valley. Oh, my God. Hallelujah. Oh, isn't he a handsome dude? Shirt unbuttoned, his belly showing. I'll tell you girls something. I've I've talked to some girls and I've heard girls talk about how they like that long hair on boys. You better watch out about them fellas with long hair. They might have something wrong with them. I'd hate to know I was going with a fella and have to wonder if he's a girl or a boy. Yeah. 
I know this is a little rough, but I'm trying to get your attention. He's so handsome. Oh, that hair, it just wants to run your fingers through it. Isn't he sexy? Listen, there ain't no such animal as a sexy man. You better quit looking at how cool he is and how sexy he is and how handsome he is. You better check his work record. See if that rascal will hold a job or not. You might wind up having to raise young'uns and make the living too while that sorry thing lays up rest. I don't know if this is what you're supposed to preach at camp meetings or not. But y'all are either liking it or you're the biggest bunch of hypocrites I ever saw. When that man takes on that girl or that woman under normal circumstances. Now, I know that sometime a, a man can become afflicted. He can become totally disabled to work. And you got sense enough to know I know that. But when that man under normal condition takes the responsibility of a wife, he becomes the provider for that household. I want to tell you something. When God, when Jesus Christ took on the responsibility of the church, he took on the responsibility of supplying her every need. For you the rest of it's for me hallelujah God takes care of his church somebody years ago heard me preach a sermon on God knows how to take care of his regular customers I've even had some requests to preach it in this camp meeting I'll just tell you this friend when you are a regular customer of God he is obligated to take care of you first Next thing, in the way of a man with a maid, he not only provides for her, but he also protects her. Glory. See, the church, if this typology holds, she ceases to be the eagle, or her picture changes, rather. She is no more being talked about now as a serpent on a rock. I'm not talking about her as a working church in the midst of the sea. Now I'm talking about her as that frail, lovable woman that Jesus Christ loves so much. Will protect her. <laughs> Hang on, folks. If you brought you several years ago, Brother Price, I was preaching a meeting in in San Diego, 
If you've ever been there, folks, Brother Gray's church is way up on a hill, and to get out of there, you got to pass by some rough spots. Nightclubs, it's tough, boy. We were staying in evangelist quarters up on the hill, and they had a little washer terrier down at the bottom of the hill, right in the middle of all that rough stuff. I had just gotten out of the hospital. I was still weak as water, hobbling around on a cane. One day my wife said, I got to wash. I said, I'm going with you. She said, well, how come you don't hardly ever go with me? I said, yeah, but it's rough down there and I'm going with you. Can you get this picture? Couldn't hardly walk. Hobbling around on a cane. What are you going for? I'm going to protect you. Amen. I was crippled up. But when I took that gal, I took the responsibility of protecting her. We got down at the bottom of the hill, Sister Cox. I looked in there, and they had some woolly boogers in there. I want you to know I took a look at a couple of those fellas, and they could have looked at me and knocked me out. But I just straightened up on that cane. Say, what would you have done, Brother Johnson? I don't know. I really don't. But I'd have done something. Now, I'll tell you something. My husband, he ain't crippled. He is not a cane. Jesus Christ. You know, Brother Mangan, I used to preach for years that God kicked the devil out of heaven. Don't y'all look at me like I'm ignorant. Y'all have to. God, boy, he didn't like the devil up there and he kicked him out. You read the book of Revelation real close and you'll find out God didn't even touch him. God didn't even touch him. <laughs> the Bible said the angels of the Lord came against the devil and the third part of the angels and the angels was the one that threw him out. God didn't even touch him. Boy, if his angels could do that, what could they do if old Father God stepped in to help them a little bit? no need to worry no need to fret because the Lord God Almighty he ain't never failed me yet he's protecting me we're his bride we're his maid we're his church and he's obligated to protect his church from all Let me, let me give you a little Johnson philosophy. This is Johnson theology. Brother, if you ever want me to teach it in the Bible college, I don't need Bible theology. I can just teach Johnson theology. All right. Now, the Bible said, in the promise that God made Eve in the Garden of Eden, He said that the heel of the seed of the woman was going to bruise the head of the serpent. And the head of the serpent was going to bruise the heel of the seed of the woman. You follow me? The seed of the woman, what's his name? Come on, talk back to me. Say it again. Jesus. Turn to your neighbor and tell him to scream it out. Jesus. Jesus! Now, the Bible said, He, Jesus Christ, is the head, and the church is the body. Right? Where's the heel? 
Where's the heel? Is it in the head? The heel is in the body. And the heel is the lowest part of the body. So you see, if you want to talk about how powerful the devil is, if you'll recognize him as what he really is, he ain't near as powerful. You see, the church of the living God has the power and authority to put its heel on the head of the devil and crush him in the dirt. when the church gets its heel on its head all the devil's got left is just to wag his tail and he can't hurt you with his tail let me give you a little something else to chew on while I'm right here brother Foster your son young preacher Come out to our church here a few weeks ago, and he is preaching on David and Goliath. He made a little statement, and then my wife got a hold of it and added something to it. And, brother, it charged me. Brother Tim made this statement. He said, The Bible tells us what David did to the bear but it never mentions anything that the bear did to David hmm. the Bible tells us brother Mac what David did to the lion but it never mentions anything about what the lion did to David and then my wife, she don't say much, but when she says something, it makes sense. I say a lot of stuff don't even make sense. <laughs> Thank you for not saying amen. It's bad enough to, not, to know it, but when people agree with it, it's tough then, sure enough. But my wife come home and she said, you know, what Brother Tim said tonight just got me all stirred up and said, I've been thumbing through my Bible. And she said, I can't find any place where David ever recognized Goliath as a giant. All David ever called him was an uncircumcised Philistine. He is just one of the dirty bunch as far as David was concerned. He didn't recognize him as a giant. Brother, I'll tell you what. I think it's time we United Pentecostals quit calling the devil so big and quit recognizing the power that he's got. Cluley, he's not a giant. He's just a devil. God can whip him with just the angels. He don't even need to step in. He just whip him with the angels. To provide for her, to protect her, and to love her. That's the way of a man with a maid. Provide for her, protect her, and love her. Oh, Lord, for almost 2,000 years, there's been a love affair going on between Jesus Christ and his church. <laughs> oh, hallelujah to God. Hallelujah to God. They've been faithful and true to each other. He proposed a long time ago, and the church said, yeah. <laughs>
Now, follow me real close. Anybody that leaves their rotten egg. But if you want to leave, just go ahead. You're leaving the best part. This is where it gets mushy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't know too much about the bride's room. I hadn't been in there too much, Brother Tenney. I had two daughters, and they let me go in long enough to have a picture made with them, and then they run me out. Uh, they, they tell me that the bride is all nervous and, you know, it's just about time for the wedding and she's prancing around and is my hair straight, is my veil straight and uh, what about my train and, and all that kind of junk, you know. I know very little about that, just what I've heard. But I have been in the groom's room several times. Don't you ever think that that old boy is calm, cool, and collected? Boy, I've seen them in that bride's room. They couldn't hardly get their watch out. How much longer is it? And they're looking at their watch, and they know what time the wedding is. How much longer? They're so nervous, they don't even know what time it is. Five minutes, five minutes, my land sakes alive. Ooh, five minutes, five minutes, five minutes, five minutes. How much longer is it? Two minutes. Oh, my goodness, two minutes, two minutes. How much longer? Well, Brother Johnson, when do I come in now? You just follow me. <laughs> How far? Oh, two or three feet. Just don't step on my heels. Amen. <laughs> Brother Johnson, now when you get to them vows, you know, do it slow and easy so I won't forget. Brother Johnson, don't say too much if I got to repeat it. And how, how do you do it? They want to, they're so nervous they don't know what page they're on. All of a sudden I say, okay, let's go. Here we go. Now I stop. He steps over. And then the other one. And then the other one. And then the 15th one. <laughs> if these weddings get any bigger, I'm telling you what, they ain't going to have churches big enough. They're going to have to have the weddings at the tabernacle <laughs> to get all the attendance. I don't know where the people's going to get. <laughs> Amen. And then, hey, give me, give me just a little, you know, uh, uh, bridesmaids music, you know. Give me a little of that. So here we stand. And the poor guy don't know what to do with his hands. <laughs> Amen. And then all of a sudden the back door opens and he snaps to attention and that's just a bridesmaid. <laughs> just another one. Fifteen. <laughs> oh, God. Let me tell you something. There's a lot of talk about all of the denominations. And you know, God loves some people's heart. They're trying to save everybody. I wish they could too, Brother Timmy. But you know what? There's quite a few folks went to our wedding. And even Brother Creel was in it. And my wife had some attendants and she had some singers and she had some musicians. But you know what? When I left there, I just took one with me. They may be a lot of denominations that's hanging around. They may be a lot of friends of the bride that's hanging around. But when Jesus comes, he's just going to take one woman and that's going to be his bride. All of a sudden.
glory. Brother, I want you to know from somewhere in the glory world, Jesus, the bridegroom, is pacing the floor. It's almost time. It's almost time. It's almost time. Suddenly, from somewhere up yonder in the air, it won't be the organ, but it'll be the trump of God. Da, 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 da. Hallelujah! You see, everybody stands because the bride's coming in. The bride's coming in. The bride's coming in. The church is coming in. The way of a man with a maid. <laughs> they marched down the aisle and somewhere just in the clouds everything stops and the eternal spirit of almighty god says who gives this woman to be married to this man and then a voice speaks and said her mother earth and i father time gives this woman to be married to Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We exchange vows and we become the bride of the Lord Jesus Christ. And brother, everything else stays down here. They stay here, but somewhere he takes the bride to a honeymoon in the sky. Hallelujah. And the Bible said, so shall we ever be with the Lord. <laughs> oh. <laughs> And some of the angels leans out over the balconies of heaven and says, who is this that I see coming up out of the wilderness? Hallelujah. It's the bride leaning. <laughs>